Okay. Mark 11, verse 22. Now, the last few weeks, we looked at two kinds of faith, not so. We looked at the human kind, the Thomas kind, the scientific kind, where something has to be empirical. You have to prove it. If it's not proven by the five senses, then it's not faith. But then Jesus was experiencing strange results. And so when the disciples asked him what the secret to his results was, this is what he told them. He said, have faith in God, or have the God kind of faith, or have faith God's way, have God's kind of faith. And he's telling them that if you have the faith that God has, if you can find a way of having it, then you're going to get the same results that God gets. How many would like to have good results in their life? Now, I want us to go somewhere. Because after reading a scripture like this, um, majority of people will be telling themselves, oh, okay, so I know the solution in life. If I can find a way to have faith, I'm good. And generally, people are looking for faith. Somewhere, somewhere. But I want us to see something from a certain context, then we'll answer that question. How do you get this faith? How do you get God's kind of faith? So that you can come to a place where you can get God's kind of results. Now, I want to show you a principle that will help you, not just with this topic, but with understanding the Bible. One of the key things in understanding the Bible is that you have to look at the audience being addressed. You look at who's talking, who are they speaking to, and why are they speaking in that manner. I'll give you an example. What did King Solomon say? Life is useless. People who've wrongly interpreted the Bible have used that scripture and decided to just not enjoy life because apparently it's useless. They've not understood the fact that revelation is progressive, that's number one. Number two, have they understood the position King Solomon was in? Do you remember what King Solomon had done in that period? He had backslidden. You remember that, right? Solomon had backslidden, he had chosen to uh, follow some of the gods of the wives he had married because he had about 1,000 women, 700 being wives. And Solomon had achieved what everyone is trying to get. And after he gets everything the world has to offer, he realized it was useless. But then, the life Jesus came to bring is not the life Solomon described. Imagine, Jesus says, I've come that you may have life. Meaning before Jesus, that life wasn't existing. I'm just saying, there's a key you have to learn when it comes to the scriptures. Um, it, it will help you. Some of the things I'll say might... Tonight is one of those nights I might um, touch your minds a little and shake a few foundations here and there. Praise God. Are we ready? 
And if you do not understand this aspect of scripture, you might think the Bible is contradictory. Haven't you read in Isaiah where it says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. But have you read in Romans where it says, who has the mind of, uh, who has known God that he may instruct him, but you have the mind of Christ. Now what's found in the mind? It's thoughts. What's found in the mind? It's ways. You have to understand the audience. You have to understand who's being addressed. You have to understand what was said to the old you and what's said to the new creation. If you don't understand that, you'll be very comfortable. It's like how people are very comfortable saying, no, I don't know what the future holds because, you know, the Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has it entered into the mind of a man. So, you know, and sometimes someone will come to you and say, God is telling me that what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no one has, what has entered no man's mind, that's what he's going to do for you. I, I don't know how that's a prophecy because that's just, that's just laziness. Because if you are to read one verse after that, it says, but God has revealed these things to us. So meaning, the ones who have not seen, it's not us. You will see as we go on. Praise God. Praise the Lord. You have to understand who's being addressed when it says there is none righteous. Otherwise, if you only live by that one, you might not go to 1 John chapter 3, where it says... He that is born of God does not sin. He cannot sin, for God's seed remains in him. You have to learn to rightly divide the word of truth. I think we might have a series where we just look at rightly dividing the word of truth. Praise God. Okay, let's go to Luke chapter number 8, verse 18. How many of you have read in Mark chapter 4, is it verse 24, where Jesus said, take heed what you hear. But let's show you from Luke, because from Luke it's different. Luke 8, verse 18. One, two, three, read. Therefore, take heed how you hear. There is taking heed what you hear. And then even with hearing the right thing, there is taking heed how you hear. Okay? And it says, for whoever has, you will see this when you go in next week's topic, that can you imagine what you hear can determine what you have. Meaning there's something contained in words. It says, whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have will be taken away from him. Why? He didn't take in what he heard. And how he heard. Let's see if we can see it from the Amplified. Be careful, therefore, how you listen. Let's see if we have the NLT, just one more. I, I, are you saying this? It's saying, take heed how you hear. Now, look at this. NLT says, pay attention to how you hear. So it's one thing to pay attention to what you're hearing. It's another thing to pay attention to how you're hearing. That also determines those who produce more fruit and those who don't. I want you to take note of this. Have you ever read the parable of the sower? Have you noticed that there are some people who lost what was given? But even from those who were good ground, have you observed that there are some people who produced more fruit than others? Take heed how you hear. Take heed how you hear. So it's not just what you hear, it's how you hear. So even when you are studying the scriptures, you can't live your entire life being the woman with the issue of blood. Is that the only message you're getting? No, you're reading the woman with the issue of blood, all you see there is yourself in trouble, and that's why you keep see, even your songs will be, will be influenced by that. 
You'll be singing, oh Lord, whenever I'm sick, you heal me. You're even expecting to be sick again. You, you must take it how you hear. Every time, how many times are you going to fall? You've, you've already expired that seven. <laughs> you've already expired the righteous man shall fall seven times. You know, it shapes you. Can you imagine from a young age, that's what you've been singing? Your whole life you're expecting to fall. You're building yourself up for a big fall and a big rising again. A big fall and a big rising again. What happened to glory to glory? What about... Listen, what about... What about writing songs about how the Bible says, He that is able to keep you from falling. Praise God. Someone may be saying, but pastor, I've fallen before. You don't have to again. So you must take heed how you hear how you hear. What, what am I trying to say? When I'm reading the issue of the woman with the issue of blood, why can't you see yourself as Jesus in that story? Why can't you see yourself as being the one who's healing the sick? Did, doesn't the Bible say these signs will accompany those who believe? And it says in my name they'll cast out devils. Meaning believers must cast out demons. Believers must heal the sick. If every time you're reading the scriptures, you see yourself as the bound one, you see yourself as the sick one, you see yourself as the one who demons are being cast out of, I don't know how you find scriptures where it's always demons being cast out of you, then there will be a problem with the exercising of your faith because you may be hearing the right thing, but you're not hearing it rightly. Praise God. I say praise the Lord. So take it how you hear. We are going somewhere. Bear in mind, Jesus said, have faith in God. Eh? We're going to go to that scripture soon. Let me show you another scripture that shows that you must be careful. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. We'll read two or three versions. I want us to see this. Paul is telling Timothy, who's a pastor, right? And Timothy had to teach others. Remember, this is the same Timothy who God, Paul told him, saying, do not let anyone despise you because of your youth, but be an example. And he was taught different things to be an example in. One of them was purity. Another one was faith. You can actually be an example. And Timothy is really an example of a modern-day pastor. You know why? Paul taught him how to deal with fathers, how to deal with sisters, how to deal with what. That means that he was in a church where some people were older than him, others were younger, others were his age meant. So if you know you've, if you've, I would advise everyone to read the book of Timothy. You'll learn how to pastor from it. Everyone is saying, I'm not planning to pastor. Okay. Now, the Bible says, <laughs> you think this stuff that you're learning, you're learning it for nothing. This material we're feeding you with. Okay, so the Bible says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The only thing that will keep you from being ashamed the day you stand before God is if you divided the word of truth rightly. Let's see another version. Uh, maybe let's look at the Amplified. It actually tells you what to do. Study! My friend, 
you can't effectively be a preacher if all you do is read one verse for three days. Study. Actually study. And for that matter, you just read one verse from Psalms which encourages you. Just one which encourages That's it. Every day the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and says those are Christian spirit. Every day. If that's all you know, you, you, you'll be very encouraged, but you have trouble preaching to people. The day they argue and say this is not true, how will you explain to them? Somebody, I was, I was teaching, somebody read my book and they, they contacted me. And they told me, look, for me, the doctrine I've been brought up in calls the Holy Spirit an active force. And the Holy Spirit is not a he, the Holy Spirit is an it. I said, okay, we're going to use the Bible and we're going to prove and we went through scripture after scripture. For that matter, we even used their same Bible, which they changed things, but they couldn't change everything. And by the end, they were like, ah, <laughs> teach me. <laughs> that one comes by study. Praise God. Have you ever had people come to convince you out of your doctrine? Then by the time you're done with them, they say they have to go research. Why they, 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 they give you Matthew chapter 13, you tell them the context and explain chapter 12 and chapter 14 and hopefully going to 15. <laughs> study. Now, and here is the interesting thing. You're not even studying to, to prove yourself to a man. It actually says study and be eager to do your utmost to present yourself to God approved. A workman who has no cause to be ashamed. Look at this. Correctly analyzing and accurately dividing rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Praise God. Okay. So, you will see when we go on, that if I'm to come to you today and tell you about the God kind of faith, and afterwards tell you to go and look for it somewhere, and hopefully one day you will have it, I'll be doing an injustice to you. I'll be doing a terrible injustice to you. If by the end of this message you're still going about looking for faith somewhere, I'm doing a big injustice to you. If by the time I'm done with this series, you feel that to be protected you need to buy one of our church t-shirts, you, then you, I'm doing an injustice. Because the day, my friend, all the devil will do is inspire someone to steal it. The day it is stolen, your faith is gone. Okay, praise God. Hallelujah. So now, that's a background I wanted to give you as we talk about something. Jesus is telling the audience, have faith. Have the God kind of faith. I want us to notice the kind of audience he was addressing. And let's answer a few questions about this audience. Number one, was this audience born again? No, he hadn't yet died. No one was born again then. Oh, wait, I think, I think, I, I, we're too quiet. Do we understand the concept of being born again? Are we aware that when Jesus resurrected, he had to breathe into his disciples and say, receive the Holy Spirit? And isn't it that the person only becomes saved when the Holy Spirit births the new spirit in them? Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit, according to John 3. 
Isn't it that for a person to be born again, Jesus first had to fulfill the law, and then his blood had to be drained? And according to Hebrews, which also matches with Leviticus, he had to go and present the blood before his father. That's why when Mary tried to touch him, he said, don't touch me, I've not yet presented the blood. Not so. So they were not born again. They were not. Not yet. Let's, 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 get, let's get talking. And then if we are to study the dispensations in the Bible, a dispensation is just a cool word for period. <laughs> if we are to study the dispensations in the Bible, you would agree that Abraham's time was a dispensation of faith, right? And then you'd agree that from Moses, that's when we see the first covenant, which we now call the Old Testament, right? And that Old Covenant, especially if you read the first five books of the Bible, you'll notice that there were certain laws that had to be fulfilled, which if a person fulfilled them, they could be righteous. And those laws were about 606, right? Ten big ones, but if you keep reading Leviticus, for example, I'll give you an example. Uh, the Sabbath law. You do know that on the day of the Sabbath, no one was supposed to light a fire, right? Come on, you've not read it? You are not supposed to light a fire on the Sabbath. So till today, if you're to go to Israel, where some people really try to keep it, what they do is that they've developed certain stoves which can somehow still be on until the next day because you're not supposed to switch it on. Read it for yourselves. Okay, you know what? Go read it for yourselves. Read it. Read it. Just, okay, you know what it is. Well. But there are about 606 laws. And Jesus, now, here are a few questions that I want us to ask ourselves. Number one, when did the Old Testament finish? Ask yourself in the end. I'm not talking about according to what KJV has told you. I'm talking about according to what the Bible has told you. Because I, I hope you understand that even things like chapter 4, chapter 1, we are the ones who put it to make it easier for us to read. Praise God. We know that, right? The Bible is not written in chapters. So it's not, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We are the ones who put that to make it easier to read and to locate. And praise God they did that. Now, haven't you noticed, for example, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 are a continuation? Oh, we need a Bible seminar. <laughs> okay, let's continue though. Now, let me submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, I know for some it's a first hearing this. I know because I tested this out on one or two people at home before coming and the shock on their faces. Um, for some, it's a first. Are you aware that a huge period of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, a huge period of it was in the Old Testament. Let's talk. <laughs> Let's talk. When, when John the Baptist came, Jesus called him the greatest prophet, right? And then Jesus mentioned something. He said, the least in the kingdom of God is greater than, is greater than John. Somebody asked me, what I think, why John was called the greatest prophet. I think it's, in my opinion, it's very simple. Because notice, he was not called the greatest person, he was called the greatest prophet. So we have to judge him by his prophecies. And it, 
John was the only one who said there he is. Everyone else kept talking about him, giving signs about him. No, he'll be like this. No, John just said, he's there. Like, now behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of man. He literally pointed and said, there he is. There he is. Why? Because he was the last one. He was the last one. But have you observed that there must be a different dispensation? Because despite being the greatest, Jesus said the least in the kingdom of God is greater than him. Have you seen that though? Luke 7. Let's see it. You understand the Bible better today. Luke 7 verse 28. For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Why do you think he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than the one who pointed that there is? Because the one who is least in the kingdom of God has him. We'll get to that. <laughs> okay, we'll understand better. When Jesus was at the cross and he said, it is finished, what was he talking about? What was finished? What finished at the cross? Well, scripture answers scripture, right? If you've read the entire New Testament, we all know that when we were with we died with Christ and we died to the law. We all know, according to Colossians 2, that, let, let's see, Colossians 2. Give me verse 14, I think, or 13. Give me 13. Oh, boy, I'm not going as far. And you being dead in your trespasses and, their and circumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Uh-huh having wiped away the handwriting of requirements. There were requirements against us. Remember the requirements? Which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. It's at the cross where all this was accomplished. Oh my, let's see if we can do this another way. What am I trying to say, ladies and gentlemen? Jesus had to fulfill the law. And because Jesus had to fulfill the law, he had to come in the dispensation where the law was. He had to come in the Old Testament. And then in the Old Testament, he had to now be the ultimate sacrifice, being the Lamb of God. And when the ultimate sacrifice was sacrificed on the ultimate altar, on that altar, remember there's somebody who came to see me and we were talking. And they were telling me how they're experiencing a problem. There's, this, there's a lot of witchcraft in their family and they want me to help them out. And they were told that to deal with it, they're gonna have to create an altar because um, the people that bewitched them created an altar and probably used a lot of money and all that stuff and sacrifice things. So they're going to have to create an altar and probably put in some money somehow. And I was thinking, there's a bigger altar. Listen, if, all, if 10 million witches were to do whatever they do, create an altar against you, 
cannot be compared to the altar where Jesus. The cross is an altar. And you know what's interesting? Someone will say, but they did a sacrifice against me. Haven't you read in Hebrews where it says, and you have come to the blood of Jesus, which speaks better things than the blood of Abel. If the blood of Jesus can speak better things than the blood of a prophet, how much more the blood of a black chicken? Now, Jesus became... Now, does that mean we ignore the issue? No, we are, we are helping. But we are dealing with it from our place of victory. Now, what I'm trying to say is that Jesus had to walk in the Old Testament. And while in it, he would tell them about the new. And why we read the epistles a lot is because Jesus didn't finish teaching. That statement sounds too strong for me not to give you a scripture, right? Does it? <laughs> Go to John 15. Oh, Lord, I've not even gone to point one of what I wanted to say. John 16, verse 12. Now, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus didn't finish saying everything. <laughs> one, two, hey, so that you don't crucify me now. These are not my words. This is Jesus now. One, two, three, go. Hold on. Why couldn't they bear them? They didn't have the Spirit of God in them. They were not yet saved. Next verse. He will guide you into all truth. You know, Jesus had a test round. There was a day he tried. Let me show you. There was a day he tried, John 3. And he decides, ah, okay, maybe let me try it on a teacher of the law. Let me try it on somebody who knows, you know, knows the Old Testament, knows the Torah. John 3. I want you to see this. Um, when Je Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, is it verse, which verse is it? Is it verse 7? Verse 7, 8, 9. Let's go. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. Uh-huh. The wind blows where it wishes. He's trying to explain something about people who are born again. He's saying they're mysterious. So go back to the wind blows where it wishes. He says the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it. But you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. Can you imagine? That's the description Jesus gave of us. Next verse. Nicodemus answered and said, how can these things be? Look at what Jesus replies. He says, are you the teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? Next verse. I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. Uh -huh. I have told you earthly things and you don't believe. How would you believe if I tell you heavenly things? <laughs> That's why you notice that in the epistles, the apostles, they taking time to explain deeply what it really means for a person who is saved. It's not that Jesus didn't know that stuff. People just couldn't hear it. It was a mystery kept from them for a while. But then the Spirit reveals these things, and the Spirit speaks only what Jesus would say. What am I trying to say, ladies and gentlemen? You have to understand that the Old Testament, the Old Testament part of the Scriptures, 
had to finish somewhere. And at the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. And you have to understand that even the New Testament had to have a start. And have you noticed when the New Testament had a start? At the communion. Have you observed that? Let's read. Luke 7. Ah, Luke 22, verse 20. What did Jesus say at the communion? I wish this was four hours. Likewise, he took the cup after supper. Okay, one, two, three, read. He took the cup after supper, saying, That's when the new covenant is introduced. He says, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Take heed how you hear. You need to know what's addressed to you. So now, the question then becomes, to the people who he was speaking to, who were not yet saved, he told them, have faith. But what about to the people who are saved? What is said about them? First, you must understand something of the people who are saved. Let's just see a scripture, John chapter 3, verse 6. Born, born, born again. Thank God I'm born again. The Bible says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Are you aware that when you're born again, you're not born of the flesh, you're born of the spirit? You're born of the DNA of the spirit. The same attributes of the spirit, that those are the ones you're born with. No wonder Nicodemus was like, the guy refused. And in case you don't know, do you know that it's only when you're born again when you qualify to be called a child of God? You know, sometimes you hear people saying, you know, everyone in this world, we are all children of God. That's not true. John 1. <laughs> John 1 verse 12, what does the Bible say? I've not even gotten my first point yet. But as talking about Jesus, it's, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Only to those who received him. Those are the ones who are given the right. Next verse. And then he tells us how they were born. And it says, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So these are people born of God. Now I want to show you something else about how they are born. Peter describes it in 1 Peter chapter number 1, verse 23. There'll be something we'll be looking at. I'm not sure whether this is during a Sunday or during a Wednesday service in about three, four months, which will really help you understand this. Don't ask me how I know what we'll be dealing with in about three, four months. I plan. There's a place I want to see you at by the time the year is done. Now, if, now if you're coming this week, you're coming. The next week, you don't come. The next week, you come. It's like saying you're on a diet, but the next day you're having ice cream. The next day you're back on the diet. Look at what the Bible says about us. It says, having been born again. Have you noticed that initially we're told we're born of the Spirit? We're also told we're born of God. Now look at what we're told we're born of. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. As a believer, you are born of the word. Listen, you are born of the same material that created the worlds. You know that, right? The Bible says by faith we believe 
that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that which is seen was made out of that which is not seen. That's the material which birthed you. And then how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. The, the same material that produces faith birthed you. I, 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 I don't think you know what, what I'm saying. You are children of the word. You are literally children of the same material that produces faith. I know because some of us are looking for faith. You are literally children of the same material that produces faith. The same material. Because you've been born of the word of God. A believer is born of the word of God. And if the word of God can impact faith on a person who's listening, how much more a person it breathes? Look at this. First John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Verse 4. The Bible says about me and you. 1 John 5 verse 4. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. <laughs> and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Now, if you've been following my sequence, I've been trying to show you something. I've been trying to show you the kind of people Jesus was addressing because of the time he was in. And then the day you believed, you became a new creation. And I'm telling you that you have already overcome the world. You've been born of the material that overcomes the world. Because it says whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Allow me to say this to you, all children of God now. This, I can now come to my, the only point I wanted to make during this service. It's the only one I wanted to make. As a believer, you already have the God kind of faith. Let me say that again. As a believer, you already have the God kind of faith. I'll say it one more time. As a believer, you already have it. Why? Because you are born of the word. So the audience being taught to have faith was not yet saved. That's you before you got saved. You already have the God kind of faith. Romans 12 verse 3. What does Paul say? In verse 1 he says, I beseech you brethren by the mercies of God uh -huh, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable before God. For this is uh, your true act of worship to him. Then verse 2, one of our favorite verses. Eh? Uh -huh, be not conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, as you may be able to perceive what is God's good, pleasing, and acceptable will. Then verse 3, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt with each one a measure of faith. Give me KJV. Because, yeah, they go to the wrong. 
It says, I say to you through the grace given to me, to every man that is among you. This is not written to the whole world. It's written to a, a certain group of people. It's not written to the world. And it says not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. So when you are thinking of yourself, how should you think of yourself? Like this. But to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Listen. The believer is not looking for faith. God hath dealt with them the measure of faith. The day you get saved, the day you hear that message, that message comes wrapped up with faith. And the day you believe it, faith is imparted to your spirit. Every believer has the measure of faith. And you're being told that when you're thinking of yourself, think of yourself according to the measure of faith. And how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That's why the more a person grows in their faith, you can think they have pride when they just know who they are. You can think it's pride. They just, they're just thinking of themselves according to what God has said about them. Praise the Lord. So every believer, now someone may say, Pastor, are you sure this is every believer? This is just for believers. It's not, for not everyone in the world has faith. The Bible shows us that there's some people who don't have it. Can I show you? I don't like just saying things. Uh, give me Second Thessalonians. It should be Second Thessalonians. Chapter 3, verse 2. Give me the New King James and you give me the NLT. Paul is speaking to the church, eh? And he says that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. That shows you Romans 12, 2 is for the believers. Let me show you from the NLT. It shows you the other way of saying not everyone has faith. One, two, three, go. You're not reading. One, two, three, read. Not everyone is a believer. And, you know, it's interesting. It means if a person is a believer, what do they automatically have? Faith. Praise God. Praise God. And might I suggest to you, might I suggest to you, even away from this topic, stop thinking of yourself as the one who can't know his thoughts, as the one who his ways always be higher than yours. That's not what the Bible says about the New Testament believer. God has always wanted to have fellowship with man. He's always wanted to share his thoughts with man. He's always looked for someone to share thoughts with. That's why even in the Old Testament, he would find at least one or two and they would be called prophets. He just needed somebody to think like him. And you'll notice that those who thought like him could conversate with him. No wonder, notice, no wonder the Jesus who everyone says was a friend of sinners, but he didn't call them that. It's just people who called him that. No wonder there was one time he finally called his disciples friends. And guess what he said? He said, I no longer call you servants but friends because you have known the will of the Father. He's always wanted people to know. He's always wanted those people who, to the whole world, he speaks in parables. Then they can come in private and ask, so what does that parable mean? Then he tells them, the, soul, the seed is the word. This is this, this is this. He's always wanted that. You are of the kind who the Bible says to them, it's not been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. To you it's been given. I'm just trying to say, there is this thing that has come in where everyone wants to associate with everything that talks about 
sadness and brokenness. And that's what everyone wants to associate with. As in, if I was to come and read or have sinned and say, you're all sinners. Not in this house. And people even be posting on Facebook. These are the pastors we want. Pastors who are preaching that old message that brought revival where when you're leaving church, you would cry. You want to leave church crying? Every week, you're coming to the to cry. There's a problem there. But then if somebody comes and says, okay, so okay, we are all saved. You're all the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. I don't forget my point. You've got the same righteousness Jesus has. <laughs> I'm, and I'm telling you, religiousness can block you from everything good God has said about you. Everything good. I know because the first time I heard, the first time I heard, I, I, I will never forget, I was listening to a certain man of God I love so much, and he talked about how we are the righteous, so I refused. Yeah, I wanted to, I don't know, everything in me felt more comfortable associating with everyone who was telling me I was a sinner. So I would pray every night at midnight. Um, I still pray at midnight, except for different reasons. Then I used to think prayers are more clear. <laughs> and then you have to pray at midnight because at 0-3 the Saturnists start working. So that's what I knew. <laughs> so I would spend the first 30 minutes repenting. My God, I used to repent. And I was living quite well. <laughs> Honestly, I was living quite well. I would find something, always. 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 Lord, I know. I'm not worthy to be in your presence. Until one day I heard the, I heard the Holy Spirit say, we were talking just a few minutes ago, at which point have you sinned? Then I realized I was conscious of the wrong thing. I didn't read the right thing. Now, if a person is wrong, a person who's got fellowship with the Spirit, if something goes wrong, they repent immediately. They know. You can tell, ah, you can tell, ah, ah, here, I've done something wrong. And you speak to him. You don't have to wait for a specific time. And then afterwards, I would start repenting on sins for the auntie, for the I, I, I was really into, as in, I broke things. If there are things that were, I broke things. That's because of stuff I was reading on the internet. <laughs> I read too much on the internet, and, and you know, like, I had, I had messed up. There's something, one of the worst things I ever did in life, it took me years to recover, was listen to former Satanist stories. Ah, that messed me up. You know, they convinced us that even when you're preaching, you come to preach as suspecting people. So which one? Which one? <laughs> you know, there's someone who comes with my powers, and then... So if you see someone who's dressed a certain way, so you find even that everyone is, everyone. But what if there's somebody who that's the way they dress, they're not saved, and as far as they're concerned, they don't think there's anything wrong with dressing like that, and they come to church, and they're going to preach to them. <laughs> everyone was a suspect. <laughs> Praise God. What am I trying to say? The day you discover what is really written about you, Listen, the day you discover that Jesus 
didn't stay at the cross. He was buried, and when they came to the grave, the angels asked, why are you looking for the living among the dead? <laughs> we'll do an entire sermon on that. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Where are you searching for yourself from? And then the day you discover that <laughs> God. Imagine, how do you search for your purpose on horoscopes? Your purpose in life. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? That's an error. Okay. Praise God. I said praise the Lord. The believer is not trying to have faith. The believer has faith. Allow me to mention something. Everyone talks about the mustard seed because, you know, Jesus made a statement. If you remember very well, he made a statement. Oh, my. Five more minutes. I'm sure one or two scriptures. Acts 14, verse 22. Quickly. Acts 14, 22. I, I, I don't want to go back to this next week. Okay, one, two, three, go. Read it. These are believers being addressed. Exhorting them to do what? To continue in the faith. They were not told to have faith. Them they were told to continue in the faith. Let's look at other believers being addressed. Ephesians 1.15. 1, 2, 3, go. After I heard of your what? These are believers. Believers have? Let's look at another one. Colossians 1 verse 4. Ah, one, two, three, go. There was no church that was written to and instructed to have faith. The day they believed, they, were, they had faith. That's why they were told to continue in the faith. They were, there was another church who was told, we are told you're, you're, you're growing exceedingly in your faith. So for believers, we address you as people who have faith. Some have just not learned how to use it yet. Remember what Jesus said? He said, because remember in Romans 12, we've been told we've been given the measure of faith. And someone might be saying, Pastor, what if me the measure was given? First, we've been given, it's a consistent measure. Every believer is born with it. Think about this. Who really taught you how to talk? No one. They just taught you how to use your talking. And so suddenly you're using these syllables and it's a language. If you were born in another country, you would have been speaking another language. There is no one who was born with a brain that can only speak French. There are some kids who you think, this guy can't talk. No, let him speak Bemba, you'll be shocked. <laughs> Haven't you noticed that that's why with children you can teach them more than one language at the same time, they'll be just as good. And that's why psychologists advise that you don't talk to babies in baby language. You're confusing them. They're trying to talk like you. That's why, they, that's why sometimes you'll notice that certain kids from a certain area of the world take longer to develop certain speech skills because they're always spoken to in baby language. 
and you think children from other places are clever, they're just spoken to in English. Don't speak to kids in baby language. Speak to them in proper language. They're trying to learn from you. So don't go goo goo gaga. That's, anyway, that's what. <laughs> you're slowing down their learning. Okay, that's what the psychologists say. Now, Luke 17, verse 6, Jesus made a statement. I don't know about the measure we've received, but surely it must be at least a mustard seed, don't you think so? And Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. But I don't know about you, but I'm not comfortable with a mustard seed. Let me tell you why. I was about to wake up and I kept hearing a voice speaking to me. And you know what the voice kept saying? It's saying, what good is a seed if you don't plant it? That, the voice just kept saying that. What good is a seed if you don't plant it? And if you've read what Jesus said about a mustard seed in another verse, he said, the kingdom of God is like a, man, is like a mustard seed which was planted. That seed must be planted. And the Bible says when it grows and becomes a tree, it's the largest tree, and birds come to make nests on its branches. My friend, you must come to a place where you, people can depend on your faith. Your faith becomes branches for other people to grow there. Somebody say glory. glory. And so we are not going to stay with a mustard seed. We are going to grow our faith. And so next week, I, I was checking the scriptures today, and I discovered faith is mentioned 231 times in the Bible. I went through them all. I didn't think I've come with confidence. You know, <laughs> and it's mentioned twice in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy, where it talks about certain people who did not obey God, so it says they were not of the faith. And in Habakkuk, where it's prophesying about us, it says the just shall live by faith. The rest of the times it's in the New Testament. You notice it in Hebrews. You notice it a lot in Romans. You notice it a lot in Galatians. 229 times in the New Testament. My, this is something we need to go deeper into. Can you imagine the mountains were supposed to shake? Can you imagine the seas we are supposed to part? But here we are, we are seated thinking and praying for God to give us faith one day. Praying for God to give us what we already have. Praying the wrong prayer point. Praying amiss. Lord, give me faith. You've been told how it comes. It comes by hearing. How is it imparted? It's imparted by hearing. So if somebody comes and says, I want to walk in faith like you. Podcasts. All of them like <laughs> You know what I did? Uh, we, had a, we had a pastor's, just a very small pastor's gathering with, with Pastor Cholwe, and that was last year. And he came and he decided to offer us the material that the media team do. It's usually sold on the digital library and you don't have access to all of them, they're just some there. And he says, for you guys, I'll offer you all of them. I got them all. Oh. <laughs> all of them. All of them. I remember one time he had called me to go see him at his office. I'm on my way there, I'm listening. Afterwards, I'm still listening. Ha! Got them, of course. That's where the material that's making someone is. 
There are some things you'll never get by laying of hands. It's what you know. Okay. So next week, we're going to look at... Um, <laughs> there's something we're going to look at. Um, it should either become believing or... There's another part. I, I have to look at them. I, I need to know which one comes first, but I've prepared them both already. But next week, that's what we're going to look at. The giants of faith we are producing in this house. Praise God. Listen, when I was praying for this service, you know what I kept sensing? You know, there are those things that somebody has been waiting on for a long time that sometimes they start feeling like they won't come. With this information you now have, write that CV again. Oh, and I know, write that CV again. Say, okay, last time I wrote it. <laughs> if you want, write the same contents. The Bible says we've learned how God works, right? He calls things which are not as though they are. Get it, print it, get it, talk to it. In the name of Jesus, I speak to you. You are favored everywhere you go. You cannot be rejected. You, you, I talk to it. Say, in the name of Jesus, Frederick Kaluma CV, I create a demand for you in the corporate world. You are on demand. Do you know that's the way I pray for the church? Do you know how our numbers grew? I said prayer. I said, in the name of Jesus, I'm sought after. Everyone wants to see me. <laughs> I say, how many of you remember, you would hear me pray. I would always say, the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned. I speak a word in season to him that is weary. He awakens me morning by morning, and he awakens my ear to his will. That's from the book of Isaiah. Talk to it. You will see when we look at faith that you have to talk. You can't just believe, no, and believe. Talk, talk, talk. And we know faith is expressed through talking, it's expressed through working. Some of those places go back again. Say, excuse me, uh, I think you never saw my application. I've brought it again. If you study Hebrews chapter 11, it's full of people who just could not take no for an answer. They just couldn't take no. I know what it's like. You're about to have a conference, you've advertised it. By the day before, you've got no venue, you've got no money, you've got no one, everything has gone wrong. And you just refuse to take no for an answer. Like, no, something will happen, something will happen. And you start working it out. Okay, we'll talk next week. Praise God. Lift your hands. Praise God. Just in your seats, lift your hands. Say after me. Say, I am born of God. I'm born of his word. I am a mystery. When I speak, things happen. I have the God kind of faith. The kind of faith which makes things work. I have faith to move mountains.